Welcome, welcome to the third episode of the Revolutionary Star Season 2 for the year 2021. My name is Comrade Super Cabral. I am broadcasting live and direct from Harare, Zimbabwe to the comfort of wherever you are right now in our global world. Today, ladies and gentlemen, is Sunday, the 7th of February, 2021. We are blessed, we are revolutionary, and we are ready to go. What are we talking about today? Well, today we are going to talk about... What exactly is Joe Biden's uh, foreign policy agenda? How does that really uh, affect us as Zimbabweans? Actually, when it comes to Zimbabwe, is America open for business? Let's switch that ED phrase and try and see if it applies to Zimbabwe. And you know that our president right now, Joe Biden, um, he's been in the game years. So everybody right now globally is saying that it's back to normalcy. What does normalcy look like for a Zimbabwean right now? Well, who is Joe Biden if you want to get right into the crux of the matter, right? Uh, Joe Biden was born uh, in 1942 in Pennsylvania. He's the first of four siblings. In 1953, the family moved to Maryland, Delaware. Uh, that's where he graduated from uh, University of Delaware. Then he went to Syracuse Law School and then so forth and so forth. What is really um, notable for him in his young age is that he became the first uh, person to be ever, the youngest person to be ever elected to uh, Senate at 29. This is the dude we're talking about. At 29, he, he got into the Senate. This guy has failed to be president, I think, about three times. That's who we're dealing with. So, we have a career politician in power. So the one thing about having a career politician in power is that he is, you can actually uh, expect things from him. There's a track record, there's a pattern. Uh, you're not going to get something that you're not used to. He's not unpredictable. He's very, very, very predictable. So with decades of foreign policy experience in the U.S. Senate, that's him, uh, including serving as a chairman for the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, uh, when he was uh, vice president for Obama, he also advised on international issues for Obama. He also played an active role in uh, the Asia-Pacific uh, rebalancing that uh, Obama was trying to do. So this guy, uh, foreign policy-wise, that's where he is. He, he does things in foreign policy. So, so far, before I've even got into this podcast, I can already tell that uh, times is hard for ZANU-PF and uh, our president, E. Dim Nangago, coming into this term of office for Biden, right? One, right away, Biden's administration is expected to depart from some of the key tenets that uh, America first was being uh, espoused by President Donald Trump. So um, Trump had an America first policy, which was... Uh, very bad in my view, but it really didn't affect Zimbabwe that much. So, hey, it's better than being attacked. Democrats attack, Republicans, uh, they want the money, man. So, at least Trump wasn't really messing with Zim that much. He just extended, he just kept everything where it was, right? Uh, the only thing that Trump did was that on issues such as climate change, multilateral cooperation, NATO, transatlantic consensus and cooperation, all that shit, or WHO, Corona, he threw all that out. The baby water, the baby everything, Trump threw that up. So what exactly can we expect from Biden, which are no-brainers right now? Biden is going to rejoin the Paris Agreement, no doubt he's doing that. 
Um, Paris Agreement for our comrades who don't know it's about climate change. Yes, uh, climate comes before racism and the African empowerment and Pan-Africanism according to the global world. So right now, Paris Agreement, he's back. He's going to start resuming support for the World Health Organization. Definitely, he's going to do that. Um, he's likely going to rejoin the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, JCPOA, or what most people would like to call the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, of course, they're going to have a couple of new requirements for Iran because uh, they're, re- com- they're coming back into the negotiation. So that may take a couple of months or even a year, but he will be joining that again. He's also going to pursue an extension of the new strategic arms reduction treaty starts with Russia. So that's for a reduction in nuclear arms. Those things are like no-brainers. No-brainers at all. He's going to do that as a democratic and a, a, de- a democracy president. Uh, the suppression of pro-dramatic demonstrations in Hong Kong, human rights abuses against the Uyghur minority in China, issues that during the campaign had been concerns exclusively for Biden, those things he's going to address. Best believe he's going to address those. So, yeah. This is uh, who we are looking at right now. We are looking at a, a person here who is coming back to... This guy was in uh, the Senate for years. So he's coming with the full weight. This guy believes in bipartisanship and he believes in diplomacy. So a Biden administration is likely going to be trying to reduce the economic dominance that China has been playing. So that means Africa is in play just because of that. Because that is the frontier that... Donald Trump really wasn't concentrating on that much. So uh, Asia Pacific is going to be back. I know uh, from reading on uh, online and from other uh, verifiable news organizations, they've been saying that Biden expressed an interest to rejoin the comprehensive and progress, a uh, progressive trans-Pacific. Let me see if I got that right. Is the comprehensive and progressive trans-Pacific partnership, the CPTTP. Now, this is a regional free trade agreement between Australia, Brunei, Chile, Japan, Malaysia, Mexico, New Zealand, Peru, Singapore, and Vietnam. He supported this deal when he was vice president. So it's most likely that he's going to uh, join this now that he's actually the president and he can make the decisions. So those alliances are there. Now, before I continue... Uh, right off the bat, I think the biggest thing that this guy is going to concentrate on, if he's an Obama acolyte, is that they're going to focus on Asia and the, they are going to go with the containment policy. China was always a problem, but the way Trump dealt with it and the way Obama dealt with it were two totally different situations. Uh, Trump dealt with it head on. And some of those things that he did head on, they are going to, uh, Biden is likely going to uh, leave those in place and slightly reduce some of them so that he has a negotiating table with China. But at the same time that they're going to do that, he's likely going to pivot and go back to what Obama used to do, which was a strategy of containment. And he cut off its old trade routes and supply routes. So expect to see Taiwan being recognized even more in a Biden administration. Right. This is the first priority. I think it's going to be in Asia. Of course, his first priority is going to be domestic. But when he does pivot to foreign policy, it's likely going to be number one, EU, number two, Asia. And then uh, Saudi, I mean, uh, you know, see, Arab states, lastly, Africa. So 
what will Biden probably do? Uh, like, of course, he's probably going to end the Saudi-led uh, Yemeni wars. That's probably going to be doing. And uh, look, what Trump did between uh, Saudi Arabia and Israel and so forth, he's likely going to push that because that's a good move. And again, a lot of things that Mudara Trump did were good, but since he was seen as a local, some of those things won't be uh, acknowledged until decades and years after uh, people have managed to calm down and actually look at what his record shows. But Donald Trump held his own. Donald Trump did something in the Arab states that America was pussyfooting on. He called a spade a spade. We are team Israel and we rock with Israel, right? He officially made um, uh, Jerusalem the capital. He, he, put, he drew his, uh, he, he, uh, a line in the sand. Was it a correct line? No, it wasn't. But what it did was it made people realize that, yo, we need to actually talk to these guys. This negotiation diplomacy thing that takes 10, 15 years doesn't make sense. So alliances have been changing in the Arab states, which is why you see the Israelis and the Saudis getting along right now. Right. So we can expect Biden to not give credit to Trump on that, but to keep pushing that narrative when it comes to the Arab states. Now, same thing being said about that. Globally speaking, China and Russia have been gaining a foothold in areas where U.S. should have been taking the lead. So we're looking at Syria. We're looking at Libya. We're looking in the Arab states. They've been doing a lot of these uh, boots on the ground with their own army intelligence, their special forces, trainers, whatever, being on the ground. So some of the moves that you're going to see Biden do are going to be subtle moves to try and get back in the game and establish dominance. So, for example, the START treaty. START is the one that I explained is the new strategic arms reduction treaty. This was negotiated under the Obama administration and it's set to expire this February uh, 2021. Biden wants to extend it, but he wants to extend it without conditions. I don't know if that's going to come through with Putin, but that's another thing that they're going to try and get done. So for Trump, an extension would have been something that would have been conditional on a number of parameters, including the inclusion of China in the nuclear arms control process. But I'm not sure if Biden is going to go for that. So I think I've just run down a list of uh, laundry, a laundry list of what we think are incoming American president is going to do. Now, how does this affect Zimbabwe, Makumarits? Because who cares about all the nonsense, Russia, start, China? Uh, show me where the money is, as Tom Cruise says. Show me the money. So, how does this reflect back into Zimbabwe? Well, first and foremost, why I started off this podcast and said our president and his administration for the next few years are going to be fucked? is because the central aim of Biden's vision is going to restore diplomacy, multilateral cooperation, including by reversing several of the actions that Trump did, which were against multilateral cooperation. And the things that he's going to be, let me stress this one, comrades, the things that he's going to be particularly interested in, is going to be human rights, democracy, development, and climate. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is why I'm saying that ZANU-PF is going to see flames. Not ZANU-PF, but the government is going to see flames for the next few years. They are. 
and this is going to bolster mdc alliance mdc t anything that is opposition that is not too aligned with the the ruling party is going to be is going to get a boon for the next four years under a biden administration this is just a fact. We are not trying to. We are not trying to pussyfoot about this. Uh, after his first term, recheck this this podcast. This guy is going to because of the domestic problems he has in his country. This man is going to use NGOs, uh, CSOs. Uh, CSO is uh, civil uh, society organizations, NGO is non-governmental organization, same thing, same banana. It's going to use all those things. So all the notable people here in Zimbabwe, right now, Nangarivume, uh, the Chamisas, the Musa, everybody's going to get something if it uh, helps. Because Biden is not right now, for the at least for the next year or next two years, cannot actually afford to mess, mess too much head on with a lot of foreign policy issues. He's got a full plate domestically speaking so he's going to use proxies and when he uses proxies we're talking about USAID and what and if you look at his foreign policy team as in his secretary of state the guy who's put for defense secretary they are all underground people you don't see these gogoderas but they are there that's who he's put he's put TV. they don't like the public limelight they want to be behind the scenes making shit happen so if I was at the Minister of Foreign Affairs right now, I'm my one. My one. We immediately need to come in. And it, it's unfortunate that um, our minister, S.B. Moyo, just uh, passed away. May his soul rest in peace. At this time, when uh, Biden is coming into power, it could be a blessing in disguise because maybe it could mean a new minister coming in could reorient that ministry fast enough so that they can uh, go ahead with the change of times that's coming in. Uh, a name that is being flouted, I'm not sure if the president will take heed of it, is Ambassador Kombanaj. Maybe it's better Kwisa Murungu as minister. I know as a Pan-Africanist that sounds messed up, but right now we are dealing with Zhigogode. These guys are Democrats to the T. Their blood is blue. Let me repeat this. These people, their blood as liberals is blue. When they say that they are going to fight for human rights, democracy, development, and climate, they mean that shit. That means if they mean the whole country starves, so be it. As Gadrisaika human rights. And the people who control the narrative here, human rights right now, are the people who are getting locked up right now. So advocate Maere, advocate Sikala, advocate Shamisa. These are the people who are controlling the narrative of what human rights is defined for as in Zimbabwe. So they will control the narrative for the United States for the foreseeable next four years under a Biden administration and they've been building these links and uh, communication and back channels for decades from Changirai's time. Mawan, comrades. Mawan. We better hunker down and become regional. If I was our president, I'd be looking at this and saying, yeah, Toto in the regional. Because if there was an rapprochement they were expecting from the United States, I doubt it's coming. I really doubt it's coming. Our president is going to be faced with hard uh, reality that he's either going to have to lean in harder with the China angle or he's going to have to actually make sacrifices and figure out a way to try and get himself um, in books with the United States. But to be honest, whether or not Zidera is not going anywhere for the foreseeable future until their president that they want is the United States is placed on that position. And right now, it looks as if they want BT. Yes, the ground and everybody may think that it's Chamisa, but 
I would be willing to bet if it were, if there was a betting pool about who the United States wants as president, I would think that the, the United States wants Bitty. Bitty is loved. I think he's the money guy. But anyway, moving forward, this is where I'm seeing how this affects Zimbabwe. Now, I'm not just saying this based on hyperbole. Let's look at the lineup. First, the person who's been nominated as the next U.S. Secretary for State is called Anthony Blinken. Let me repeat this again, comrades. This guy is called Anthony Blinken. Blinken, let me repeat this, has repeatedly expressed his commitment to multilateralism and to U.S. cooperation with allies. Who is Anthony Blinken? Blinken, uh, comrades. Anthony Blinken is a half, yeah, I think he's a Yale, Yale guy. Moonwa Clinton, Hillary. This is where this guy comes from. He's a Hillary Clinton acolyte. Right? This guy is alone from the Hillary Clinton uh, camp to Biden. Ah, first it was the Hillary Clinton on to Obama and then from Obama to Biden. As Moonwa Clinton. And you know how much Clinton does not like Zadu PF. <laughs> Uh, you know what? It's so sad that I'm laughing uh, because it, it, it does not affect ZPF a lot. It affects the whole country. This is where people get it mistaken when they say sanctions and the Kawapuema sanctions and so forth. The, why do you think it's difficult for you to get a visa to the US or a visa? To, simple things are difficult because of these people trying to attack one monolithic, uh, one uh, organization. And most people here, common citizens, don't realize that this affects you as well. Sooner or later, these things will affect you. But anyway, as I say, who is Anthony Blinken? Blinken is a guy who's against Brexit. He believes Brexit was a total mess. He's also against the nationalists. Ana Farage, Ana Chichichi, ah, he's against that issue completely. Uh, he has expressed concern over LCC's regime in Egypt. He has condemned the arrest of three human rights advocates and tweeted, let me repeat this, tweeted that meeting with foreign diplomats is not a crime, nor is peaceful advocating for human rights. This is as if it's a bull. He said this years ago, Cobrens. We have three people right now to, who last January were arrested for uh, expressing human rights. We have Mahere, Sikala, and the Chingono. I'm telling you, this guy is already picked his team. And his team is going to be team anything Zanu. Anything not Zanu. That is it. So when they are going to come at Zanu PF... They may not attack ZANU-PF directly, but they will just cut off anything that they think they do, ZANU-PF doesn't need. And then they're just going to marry into uh, the community directly. Watch. So, Blinken also characterized President Trump's trade deal with China as a debacle. He said that it was unrealistic to fully decouple from China and he expressed support for stronger economic ties with Taiwan. This guy, at the same time, he, he's saying that Trump was too aggressive with China. He's doing what Democrats do. They, Democrats are more aggressive. Most wars are done under Democrats or Democrats push for them within Congress and Senate. But they never actually come out and be the ones who are going to No. No. By having stronger economic ties with Taiwan, it's worse than what Trump did. At least Trump was a G. Trump came up and he said, no, I don't like you guys. You guys have been shifting us on our exchange rate and everything else like that. Let's go. Let's, let, let, let's go head on. I'm going to put tariffs. You put tariffs. Let's see. Democrats don't do that. 
But at the same time, they'll be looking for a way so that they don't like you. This is how Democrats are. So when I say, gentlemen and comrades, that uh, their blood runs blue, it means Mawan. Now, let's go deeper. This is the Secretary of State. This guy is going to be too busy traveling and always worried about Africa. So we need to get deeper into this. Well, currently, it's being said it's probably going to be Michelle Gavin. Right, who is rumored to become Assistant Secretary of State for African Affairs. Now, Michelle Gavin is as blue again is as blue as it gets, and she picks the people that she likes. Yeah, just Google. I think she was a senior fellow at the center for foreign relations there's uh clips on youtube comments that you can go see who this is this is a diehard liberal 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 big time liberal so expect her to be uh, you know sympathetic to the needs of uh opposition leaders and uh, ngos and so forth why i keep saying opposition leaders and ngos i'm not saying it's a bad thing that they are going to be there it's just that who worry opposition leaders in NGOs is because of US funding. None of that money ever comes to the ground, comrades. Let me be honest with you. Since they can't be as corrupt as uh, within the government, because ZANPF knew about the government. So ZANPF is the one that controls all the corruption and everything in the Lafarge, whatever happens within the they can't they control the funds that come in the u.s dollars and the pounds and the german deutschmark whatever all that money they control it they are the ones who are the gatekeepers for that that's why we're saying it's not good but all of this is a regime change policy Please note that. The only difference with the regime change policy, regime change policy, yeah, United States are such a change. The only difference is that Munagabata Bora this time is a Democrat and not a Republican. Republicans are direct. That means ED had a chance to negotiate Nemari like what Sudan did. Sudan just came with the bag. And then uh, uh, Trump uh, relaxed uh, uh, issues, embargoes and stuff on Sudan. That's what uh, ED should have done. Bag, Mari, what do you guys want? What can you give? Uh, what do you need from us? Unfortunately, I don't know if that was possible since we are so much in bed with China. But I'm saying that's how Republicans are. Democrats, on the other hand, they don't play according to those rules. They don't. They are people who use underground kukutem. So regime change policy is still in effect, but it's now under passive aggressive means, not aggressive. So you are going to see USA, USAID, more, all the institutions that are backed by the United States in Africa are going to be stronger. They will have teeth this time around, big time. And those people are going to be used as proxies to attack a regime change uh, process. Of course, Zimbabweans, we are now used to this, uh, especially ZANU-PF is, is used to this. But I'm just trying to explain to you that when you say regime change, you need to know who the players are. This uh, woman, Michelle Gavin, no man, no nonsense, by that. She may be nice, smile in your face and say, I, well, you know what, uh, peace and love, Bob Marley, I used to smoke weed. But these people, she go there. She's a sniper and she knows what she's in for. She wants to see the end of a ZANU-PF type of regime. These people don't even have the negotiating table, you go to unity government or anything like that. They think it's a waste of time. 
right they really do they're actually probably going to be looking for people within the army who are sympathetic to the opposition this is how i see these guys playing it out so anyway uh this is just my own speculation but i am telling you the players in the game now as part of biden's uh, promise to reinforce the democratic foundations of the u.s an international summit of democracies will be organized to renew the spirit and shared purpose of the nations of the free world let me repeat this it's a quote. As part of Biden's promise to reinforce the democratic foundations of the U.S., an international summit of democracies will be organized to renew the spirit and shared purpose of the nations of the free world. It is not clear. It is not yet clear which countries will be invited to participate in the summit, but the lack of electoral integrity and human rights abuses could be criteria for exclusion, according to some. Anna MDC will be invited to this. Uh, all these guys who've been active these past few more years uh, on Twitter and social media, it's their time now. And Apachedu on Twitter and all these other guys, I hate to say it, comrades, but this, the, these next few years is going to be their time to shine. They may not affect any change in Zimbabwe, but if it's not money, they're going to get that clout or some other thing. Now, will it get to the ground? That's yet to be known. Because these players have been in the game with these Democrats for the past 10 to 15 years. And remember, Tsangirai State a relationship with Obama. And all these people are staffers from Clinton and Obama eras. This is where they are. And Biden knows these people. These, these, these are the people Biden knows even from his Senate days. So we are fully into a blue uh, generation. Now, the conference is meant to restore the influence of multilateral institutions in global affairs, confirming Biden's conviction, uh, con conviction to reinstate the more traditional diplomacy-led foreign policy that was prevalent during the Obama administration. Gentlemen, expect MDC to be there. Expect uh, all the CSOs and NGOs to be there. Now, this is all in relation to Zimbabwe, but uh, these guys are going to have a difficult time for the next few years as a party um, and you know, an administration. Not that the party won't have a problem, but the administration will have a problem. Now, uh, why? It's because we are in bed with Russia and China. This is why. And we have shown as a country, and when I say as a country, because we are in bed with the ZANU-PF, whether or not you are an MDC supporter, the U.S. is looking at you as a Zimbabwean. So it is saying Zimbabwe is a country. As Nabaza would do, you support Chamisa. But Zimbabwe is a country has aligned itself with Russia and China. So all these things that you hear about multilateralism, diplomacy, human rights, abuses, and so forth. Yes, they may be correct, but the end goal is to weaken the consolidation of power that China and Russia have been doing while Trump was sleeping. Right? More credit to Trump. Why? He is the only president who has not started the war. For the past since George Bush the first, and he, again he's not going to get credit for that. But anyway, let's continue. So that's what this summit will, will do. And 
I'm, I'm sure Anabita, uh, you just see them leaving the country. Once this coronavirus gets lifted, you see Anamaire getting awards, uh, BT flying to the US to talk to Cory Booker, so forth. Uh, and Anna Joe Tripivadzoka, big time. So we're talking about the research bureau, uh, that is, uh, that organization that helps the human rights thing. It was in Uganda recently. All these guys were Zoka with a bang. Biden has got too much things to do with the domestic policy. So he's going to just pump money into the organizations that he's used to dealing with USAID, uh, the African group, so forth. He's going to get closer ties with the AU and, uh, you know, influence, influence, soft power. Do it just in some Africa. But that soft power is going to be very detrimental to any uh, administration that is seen as authoritarian in nature. Right. The only loophole or opening we may have as Zimbabweans is that there's insurgencies going on in Mozambique. And that is uh, Al-Qaeda, ISIS related. That is where we may actually have an opportunity to negotiate on a diplomatic level with the United States and maybe get a reprieve from the way I'm seeing it. This is an organization that is fully embraced homosexuality. We have a, a... Secretary for Transport, if I'm not mistaken, who is an homosexual. I'm not saying I'm against or for that to each his own. Uh, but I'm saying that you, you, the fabric of this organization is very liberal. And any type of conservatism, they see you as a crackpot or a radical. You see how they've been dealing with uh, Trump's supporters. Zimbabwe, uh, we are seen as backward conservatives. I'm just saying, it's interesting times. So, the summit and the it's supposed to be taking place this year. And they've found three things they want to attack in Africa. The first one is corruption. They want to fight against corruption. They want to fight against authoritarianism. That's the second one. They also want to advance human rights nationally and internationally. <sighs> Comrades, these are matching orders for the CIA. Mazinsu. Musafungoguti CIA is only found at the uh, embassy of the United States. No. It's found in the State Department. It's found in USAID. It's found in the Voice of America. It's found in all these other NGOs and CSOs that are within Zimbabwe and the regional African world. They are handlers who handle Africans. And it works. It works. You, instead of having a CIA agent at the embassy, you plant him in an NGO organization and then you, he becomes an advisor to Chamisha or Ngarivume or Biti. Zoto so this is where we are. Private sector actors and tech social media giants are also going to be invited to this thing. What is this saying? And our Twitter, Facebook, all these organizations that are seeing the administration, current administration in Zimbabwe flames because they're behind the ball when it comes to how to deal with social media and legislatively they have not yet managed to fix that. These people are also being invited to this thing. Basically, they are roping in Twitter, Facebook, Google, anything. Yeah, they are going to curtail and try and fight this issue about authoritarianism and human rights issues. On Now, here's the problem when we say authoritarianism and human rights. The way they see it is different from the way we see it. 
So we do not know what they're going to do and how they're going to um, implement what they need private sector actors such as tech giants and social media giants to step in when it comes to Africa. But they've already announced that these guys are going to step in when it comes to Africa. Twitter uh, got into politics when it uh, rebuked Museveni at his election. That is a slippery slope, comrades. It's a slippery slope. But it, be, it also shows you how powerful corporates are. That a corporate is more powerful than a, a nation. It's it's interesting times. So, uh, defending, uh, promoting freedom, democracy, the usual soft power bullshit that the U.S. espouses so that they can maintain their hegemony in the world. I mean, it is what it is, man. You can't blame them. They are the superpower and they have the right to, to do that. Right now, they don't have time to put too much money and boots on the ground and make demands. So they're just going to use soft power. Soft power is going to work for them. Cut off resources, cut economically Zimbabwe at the knees as they've always done. Threaten South Africa if South Africa tries to help Zimbabwe too much and then, you know, slowly choke us. I think it's the best way. So we have an option. Either we are going to, you know, kiss the ring or we are going to have to lean in harder with China and Russia. Those are the options that I'm seeing we are going to be faced with here. Now, when you see a foreign policy agenda, my comrade, you have the face of it. That is the uh, State Department. That's the face. State Department, do you know, Manisa, Marichisa, Maruma, Paground, USAID, Voice of America, journalists, for example, Namagamba TV here in Zimbabwe. These are the people who gain this. Paul Zim is another organization that gets these type of fundings. It comes as grants and fundings. Most of the people here in Zimbabwe won't even know good Warupu Amari diaspora. But they're getting money and they're going to appreciate it. But they are getting their influence. I'll give you an example of Paul Zim. This was uh, 2019. Magamba, uh, they've been, it's been, that Magamba TV is growing. But Paul Zim, you have to give it credit. They, they have a liberal bent, but they are actually getting in, into the community, Mugeto. They, they, they are, they are encouraging, uh, uh, citizen journalism. This is dangerous for a company, for a government that is behind the ball because they can no longer control the narrative. When any person who has a smartphone can go to uh, an NGO and get $50 for reporting what really went down in the, in his neighborhood, serious times. So that is the face. That face of uh, the United States is called the State Department. Now let's talk about the security. This is the behind the scenes. And the behind the scenes is controlled by the defense department. And who is going to be the new defense secretary? This is General Stephen J. Townsend. This man is called his nickname. <laughs> his nickname, comrades, is Invisible General. That was what his nickname was, the Invisible General. Ah, is a TV. He gets shit done. Let me repeat this again. Ah, this is TV. So I guess there's a background. But shit gets done. If one shit done, shit gets done. This guy rose within the United States Army, logistics, operations, uh, distribution. He, I think he was a quartermaster at a certain time. He knows how an organization is run. And he gets shit done. He think he was the leader of CENTCOM before he retired. This is the guy who's been... This guy got a waiver. My comrades, bipartisan waiver. You could Iowa 
pinned up a bus because he had a conflict of interest and he had served on he had been out of the army for only four years he's supposed to be out of the army for seven years before you can become the defense secretary as a civilian he had been only out of the army for four years and both uh, sides of the parties in uh, the united states gave, gave him a waiver this guy's the real deal this is the real deal holyfield whilst you're on tv fake news fake chief fox news see this guy up a ground Jigogodera. Like I said, these guys are the Jigogoderas. Right? You will get shit done. Trust me, Africom is back on. Big time. After what's been happening on in Syria, what's been happening on in uh, Libya, uh, in Yemen, in Kenya, in Somalia, the Africa uh, base for the United States is back on. And it's going to be low. Low, low, Zayu. Low, low. So, this guy... Uh, He's a communication guy. He's pro-NATO. Everything. That's who is going to be running the defense uh, for the next four years. Unless something happens. So, why am I this important? The U.S. has strategic access and uh, global control of the space of sub-Saharan African countries. Whether by land, air or sea. You need to understand this. Every time we look at Africa, it's about space. It's a, geopolit- a geopolitical war. And the biggest thing for you, the United States globally, is that they need to control the sea lanes. The sea lanes are policed and controlled by the United States. It's got the largest navy in the world. Saga, so, uh, just a, a note for you guys. Saga, so, that's why you see an Straits of Hormuz, Zogu Iran, Zichineta. Was Dr. Soro on something that you're not Soro on. So, anyways, I said. The Sahel provides strategic access to the control of the Gulf of Guinea region, where seven of the world's eight billion barrels of reserve of oil are located. Salamanzwa Gulf of Guinea. The Horn of Africa, located at the southern end of the Red Sea, is close to major oil supply lines and is the perfect location for a military force projection towards the Middle East and the Persian Gulf. This is why I'm telling you, Africa means back, gents. Last time when Africa was on point was the, when Obama was uh, droning people and uh, assassinating people. You know, uh, Obama was assassinating his own citizens. <laughs> uh, this is too, if it wasn't true, you'd be shocked. The irony that an, an African American whose father is from Kenya uh, was endorsing the assassination program to be re, uh, rehabilitated through a drone strike. It's crazy. But anyway, Africa's uh, surface distribution network connects ports in the east and the horn of Africa, namely Manda Bay, Garissa, Mombasa in Kenya, Entebbe in Uganda, Diridawa in Ethiopia, and Djibouti, to ports in West Africa, including the ports of Tema and in Ghana and Dakar in Senegal. Uganda, Museveni is not going nowhere, gents. Manzosa Nataura, Entebbe in Uganda. And Uganda is pro-capitalist to the T. Right? It's an authoritarian capitalist government. If Zimbabwe was like Uganda, it would be different. But it's also, we made a mistake of saying Ivukuvan. This is where Zimbabwe, Paraka Fili, Daipap. It said no. It took that Pan-Africanism, that Ivukuvan, which, to be honest, Mugabe was forced to do that by war veterans. Let's be honest. I don't think Mdara would have done it on his own accord. 
However, this is where we got ourselves into trouble because we went against white people. White people, no matter where they are, stick together. And this is what happened. Sus! The militarization of Africa is useful to protect American economic interests against China, but also an economic opportunity for companies in the field of armament and military equipment. This guy, uh, General Uyu, uh, when he left the army, joined the military uh, equipment company, armament. It's, it's a rock, rock something. I can't remember the name right now. But uh, yes, I can see also that. So... The U.S. in Africa has a network of about 50 embassies on the continent. Its military presence is approximately about 7,000 soldiers. And it's got about 34 to 35 sites that are known. We're not talking safe houses, black sites. We don't know where those ones are. So with that, the U.S. potential of attractiveness still remains and Africa could regain its importance under Biden administration, though without becoming a priority strategic theater as the U.S. has more important matters to deal with. That's a soft power I'm telling you about. So, gentlemen, Mawan, expect proxies and the rise of CSOs and NGOs in Zimbabwe. Uh, the rise of China's telecommunication presence in Africa is also worrying to the United States. They are going to, there's going to be a lot more surveillance going on in Africa when it comes to China. That includes here in Zimbabwe. So with the problems we have right now internally and this transition power where we really don't know where we are, where we'll be in Zimbabwe in the next eight years. Expect a lot of uh, infiltration that is going to be coming from the CIA, big time. So, why am I saying that? Again, uh, the Biden administration is most likely also going to support the extension of the African Growth and Opportunity Act, AGOA, beyond 2025. We have got no access to that as Zimbabweans. No more trade sanctions. Plus, you are pinned into AGOA. Once you taste that body, you will be told, don't fuck with Zimbabwe. And you won't fuck with Zimbabwe if it affects you and the stuff that you're getting for our goal. So, this sanctions, sanctions is a bad thing. BT, for all the intelligence he has, it's, it's shocking that this guy encouraged the sanctions when he knows he's going to have a difficult time getting those sanctions removed once he's the president, if he ever becomes the president. How stupid is that, man? Senate Congress is not easy to be some like Zidera. But anyway, that's another topic for another time. The Biden's administration approach to Africa will not only depend on its policies, but more importantly on who appoints, who it appoints to senior position with its executive. So, the people to watch out for. Wacha controller Africa is the assistant secretary for state for Africa, the administrator for the U.S. Agency for International Development, USAID, and most importantly, the director of the National Security Council, who will play a leading role or at least play the leading role under the Obama administration. But remember what I told you, a lot of these people are Obama and Clinton staffers. Saga, please remember that. And the Clinton and stuff and all my godfathers in the Democratic Party right now, including Biden. Biden is also one of the godfathers. So they, the staffers now have got free range to <laughs> run wild in a passive aggressive tone. So who is the new director for National Security Council? My God. ZPF administration government is Irbama one, my comrade. Kuto Shinga. Kuto Shinga. Kuto Shinga is comrades. Because 
is Avril Danica Haynes. Who's Danica Haynes? In short, Danica Haynes is a CIA agent. But Anakurova, she wasn't, I don't think she ever went into the field as a CIA agent. But she's really known for the one who uh, gave approvals for the extrajudicial targeted killings of drones during the Obama era. That is what it is. Even the ACLU has criticized the Obama policy on drone killings is failing to meet international human rights norms. Not human rights to Biden, the person who's just been elected as the new director for national intelligence, national security, whatever, Avril Haines, is the one that was instrumental in establishing the legal framework and policy guidelines for those fucking drone strikes. Those drone strikes targeted people in Somalia, Yemen, Pakistan, and the Americans as well. Uh, anyway, this is where we are, comrades. Uh, we have a situation where we have a general who gets shit done, who's the defense secretary. He gets shit done in the Addis the TV. Doesn't like media publicity, everything. The papers around and I'll go and get that ish done. That's the general. Now we also have a secretary of state who believes in democracy, human rights, the whole nine years. He, he, when he goes to sleep, he has orgasms when he sees human rights being achieved and democracy and freedom being achieved. Those are the orgasms he has. That's his point. That is who we have as a secretary of state. He is passionate about this shit. Right? Passionate. Then we have a director for intelligence who has got no problems assassinating people? <laughs> I wish I was not making this up, my comrades. I wish I was not making this up. But Biden has got himself Zigogodera. He's he, basically Biden ain't playing. He's got no time to be dealing with the foreign policy agenda too much right now. He's going to focus on NATO, Asia, and uh, Europe. Arab states. Africa is not going to be a concern. That means that means Mustafa's Ake, Staffyake, and lower line management in the ministries are going to be running African policy for the next four years. It is what it is. They are going to pick and choose who Biden gets to see in Africa. Saganana Ramaphosa and so forth. But that's it. Forget anything coming up from the Biden era if you are a government ad, uh, ad, uh, official in the, in Zimbabwe right now. Kanganwa. Kanganwa. If you're wanting something to be reduced when it comes to the U.S. Treasury Department, you are going to have to deal with Blinken. It is what it is. At the same time, you're dealing with Blinken. Army base, Botswana, U.S. It was strengthened. New Defense Secretary. Upper CIA Director of National Intelligence, I think I just my handlers. I got one day in my USA in Zimbabwe, siphoning information, trying to see which, what is the power uh, matrix right now in Zimbabwe. So it's a fuckery over time. He, the foreign, the foreign uh, agenda, foreign policy agenda team that Biden has set up is no joke. It's no joke. You can tell this guy wants to put uh, foreign policy on on remote control while he handles domestic issues. And he's done that with this team. But unfortunately, by doing this with this team, it has put Zimbabwean agenda on pause for the United States of America for the next four years. It's on pause until after my elections of 2023. 
So for now, it's just going to be the usual human rights bullshit. Uh, the advocate Maheres and all these people will be getting awards, uh, going to con- conferences. Uh, BT will be uh, consolidating his uh, power, I mean his uh, network links with Congress and Senate. Uh, but that's pretty much what it is. Uh, if I'm not surprised, CIA will try and infiltrate the army. Or try and see who are more open to uh, MDC taking power. Uh, Kasukuere may come back in now. If he's smart, Kasukuere should be calling them as we speak. But the problem with Kasukuere is that he's a former ZANU-PF. Uh, these guys, uh, they are bleeding hard liberals. Uh, this, uh, that's my, 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 my Republican guy. So even Kasukuere, if he thinks he can reach out to the United States, he, good luck, buddy. So that's what we have, comrades. This is how I see it is. As Comrade Super Cabral, the revolutionary star, we are now seeing a new era of the Biden administration. Let us see how it plays out. Uh, this has been this podcast was a bit long, but this topic we had to go in depth so that at least you know the actors and the people, the protagonists in this uh, theater that we are going to be playing for the next four years. Uh, at least next time when we discuss it, we will know what we are talking about. So this has been Comrade Super Cabral from Harare, Zimbabwe, signing out. Roger out.